Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the book of Hebrews. We are now in chapter 5. And as we are saying from earlier on, he is now presenting the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest of our profession. Which is starting in chapter 4. In chapter 5, we read, unless we say, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So our Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest and is right in the in heaven before the throne of God so that every offering we are offering to God, our gifts are like praises when we sing praise to God. When we worship God, we are sacrificing. It's a sacrifice of praise to God. But it is true our Lord Jesus Christ that it can only be accepted. Why? Because as one means we are sinners, our sins have to be dealt with first. And that's what his blood has done for us. His blood sanctifies us, covers us. Because he said in, the, in some of the words of the prophets of old, God said, if a wicked is bringing, he said, the, 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 the sacrifice of the wicked person is an abomination to God. No matter how, whatever you bring to God and say, here's a big cattle, here's a very fat ram, here's a bunch of yam, it's not acceptable if the fellow's heart is wicked. That is if the fellow is a sinner, so to speak, because every sin is, a, is wickedness to God, it's wickedness before God. So that is what he's saying. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to God, no matter what he is sacrificing. So then that's why Christ needs to cover us with his blood, purge our heart clean. The blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. So that's why every offering we are offering to God must be through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We made offering, we made sacrifice to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's acceptable before God because our sins have been washed by His blood. And He's washing our hearts clean. And we are now new creatures in Christ. We don't sin anymore. That is when our sacrifices are acceptable. That is why He is the high priest of our profession before God in heaven. That's what our chapter 5 is now talking about. That every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifice for sin. Who can have compassion? Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. That's why he said in the other chapter that Christ was tempted in every aspect like us, but without sin. In chapter 4, verse 15, he said, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he was also compassed about with the family like we were, but yet without sin. And so he is able, qualified to plead our case before God. In verse 3 of chapter 5, he gave go back to chapter 3. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. That is the a common high priest on that will be offering for himself also for the people. And verse 4 And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Aaron in the among the Israelites was the high priest for the Hebrews. And God point has selected him to be the high priest. Not that he chose himself, not that he he was not, not that he became high priest just by choosing himself. Moses couldn't chose him because he's the big brother of Moses. No. God chose him to be the high priest for the Israelites. 
So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. That is, he is trying to compare the father. Our Lord Jesus Christ became high priest not because he chose himself, he's promised by God in the book of Psalms. Just like Aaron was not just chosen by himself, it was God that called Aaron. So that's why he was comparing. He said that, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. See that in Psalm 2, verse 7. That that was being spoken about Christ the Messiah. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Verse 6, and as he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see that in Psalm 101. Who in the days of his flesh, now he's going to talk about Melchizedek in a moment. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying with tears and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh, how he prayed and agonized in the garden of Gethsemane, is what he's describing here. And he, he said he was, he cried it with tears that unto him that was able to save him from death. I was hard in that he feared, though you were his son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So Christ Jesus Christ, he went to the cross, knowing fully that he was going to lay down his life for us. And when he was agonizing, he prayed, if this thing can be taken away from him, but he learned obedience by surrendering to it. That's what he's talking about here. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, he prayed to him that he saved to save him from death, but we just resign his will to God. That whatever God will, thy will be done. And God said, that is the only way to do it, is to sacrifice your blood for mankind. And he did. And he came back alive by himself. He became the author of salvation for everyone that will be. That's what he's saying. Now Christ is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Verse 10, he said, Christ is called of God an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, where does Melchizedek come into play? He's going to describe to us because Melchizedek was reported in the book of Genesis that he was a priest of God in the days of Abraham. But he said, well, it was not from the line of Aaron. Aaron was not even born there. So, which means God has a priest on that or wherever this Melchizedek was. So, he's saying that's another order of priesthood, like a dynasty. In the king, the days of the king, we have a dynasty, only the sons of this king can be king. Also. The same way, only the sons of Aaron can be, can be priests in Israel. But there's a Melchizedek that was before Abraham was even around. Before Abraham had birth or any, any person. And Mechizedek was said to be a priest of God, which means there's another priesthood dynasty. That's what they are referring to here. Mechizedek was there's an order of Mechizedek priesthood. And he said, logically, he's the high priest because he was called not of the land of Aaron. He was called from a completely different line. So it must be, and God said, this is after the order of Mechizedek. That was prophesied in the book of the Psalms. That thou art a priest forever after the order of Mechizedek. Of whom, that's about Melchizedek, we're going to talk more about Melchizedek in a moment. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, since he has blood of hearing. 
Now, Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, is going to talk about Melchizedek in a moment. But he was saying, our Lord Jesus Christ was called an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That is, since God has an ironic order, God was terminating that ironic order. Because actually it was established temporarily for the Hebrews, for the Israelites. Because it was going to terminate the ironic order. Then the God is making an order of priesthood that is lined up with Melchizedek. You don't know who is this Melchizedek? It must have been that there's an order in heaven. And that was that was before Abraham. Abraham knew about Melchizedek, not so. Because he just appeared and gave and collected tithes from Abraham in the book of Genesis. Now the Bible said Lord Jesus Christ was called out of the line of Judah and he was said to be a, to be a priest, but not after the order of Aaron, because he's not his, he's not of the not of the descendants of Aaron. So now he's, and the Bible says he was prophesied that he was going to be after the order of Melchizedek, which was heavenly, heavenly priesthood. And so that is really what Apostle Paul is going to say. He's going to now describe this Melchizedek for us, that this is somebody in, in continue that in the next chapter. But let's read the rest of this story in chapter five about Melchizedek. He said we have a lot of to say about Melchizedek that it's hard to say because you guys are still on learning. Verse 12 says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one tissue again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for his babe. He said that he was going to teach them some deeper things, but he said the way they were conducting themselves showed that they were still babies in Christ. They may begin to think he was false because they didn't understand what he was saying. They may begin to think he was heretic because they didn't understand what he was, what he was teaching. But he said that if you are base, you can't undo strong meat or meat. So he have to be giving you milk. And you're going to tell them what is milk now. We're just talking about uh, repentance. How long how many times I'm going to talk to you about repentance? You should have repented and live holy from now on. If all we are teaching every time is repentance, salvation is repentance. Repent and come to Christ. That's not all we have to be teaching over and over and over and over again. That means you just be a people that are drinking milk. There's a time to go to something stronger than milk. And that is really what is rebuking the Hebrews for in this last few verses of chapter 5. So for when the time when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that won't teach you again, which be the first principle that is the fundamentals of the oracles of God, fundamental things which we are teaching over and over again. And that is occurring in our generation also. There are some churches, all they teach is how to make money. As if that's all we need. But we need to get to heaven. Money is not going to get us there. We need to please God by faith. It's important to please God. But other people, all they teach is how to be saved from your sin. Don't repent from sin. Repent from this. Repent from that. If you are still being taught repentance, you are a babe for a long time. Too long. You should have repented and walked uprightly and be searching the Bible yourself, what is acceptable before God, and then be growing in grace. So that is really what is exhorting in this chapter. You don't have to keep teaching this over and over again. They are the first principles. They are the they are the fundamentals of the oracles of God, of the life of God. And you see, I've become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So we have to grow out of, of, of milk. 
That's why he's saying, but rather, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For you see, babe, see, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who, by reason of use, is by use, you use your intelligence. That's how you get better and better. The same way in, in spiritual growth, you have to use the gifts that are in you to get better and better, to get stronger, so to be able to, be able to get out of babyish milk into milk, meat and strong meat of the world of God. He said, strong meat belongeth unto them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we have to exercise our senses. This physical sense and the spiritual sense to be able to discern both good and evil. Now we're going to go to chapter 6. We're going to continue this theme of this exhortation about strong meat and basic principles of the gospel. Chapter 6 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that is, leaving these fundamental things, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. These are the foundation, the fundamental is now trying to highlight what are the fundamental things which all be settled in. So we don't have to keep repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves in things like somebody that go to school, the first year they teach you how to read A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, you are learning English, you are still learning the alphabetics. And you never grow from there to be able to write sentences, well that's, that's a bit. Then you go to the third grade, you are still learning A, B, C, D, you are not pronouncing that. How long are you going to be? How long are you going to be teaching A, B, C, D, and you don't know A, B, C, D, and you know algebra? So I go to fifth grade, and you are still learning A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. So that's what he's saying that we have to leave all this. You have to have known this, and graduate from that to get to something better, something stronger. I remember going to the midst of some Muslim rabbis. They were pointing to this Bible verse in the translated language, they say, well, <laughs> Apostle Paul said we should leave all this doctrine of Christ. I know, you are, I say, you are not understanding what he was saying. He's not saying you should leave the doctrine of Christ. He's saying leave these basic things. You not leave it, but you should be, you should have well grounded in this and you don't need to repeat this again. If you are grounded in ABCD, you don't need to be repeating ABCD to learn how to pronounce ABCD anymore. You have to now go into algebra, to go into arithmetic, to go into all the other things. That's why he said, leave these fundamental things now. Let's go. We have to grow into stronger meat. Because we already know this one. We are now walking that one. We don't need to be retaught to that. So that's what he says. Not saying you throw it away. No, you don't throw it away. You is your foundation. Holiness is foundation. Righteousness is foundation. Repentance from sin is foundation. And that's what is listening to us. And what are all these foundations saying? These are listening. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's, that's fundamental. You should have repented and now walk with God daily. And of faith toward God. That we should have faith toward God. We don't need to be repeating faith, 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 faith. Oh, we should just exercise faith commonly. Or of the doctrine of baptisms. You don't need to teach other man. We just be teach each once about you need to be baptized in water and what it's all about. And you go for baptism and it's done. Baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get it by the Lord Christ. You don't need it over and over again. So those are those are fundamental things that every believer should be grounded in and know and accepted. It, and it's part of you. 
And he said, and of laying on of hands, laying on of hands, as you lay for hands for the sick and they shall be well. That Christ gave to the body of Christ, which you already know that and do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Whatever it's fine. He said, lay hands of the sick, they shall recover. Use the laying on of hands because your hand is anointed and blessed by the Holy Ghost in you. And he said, lay your hand. Just, you don't need to be taught over and over again. Just do it. He said, it's a doctrine, but just do it. And of resurrection of the dead, that's a doctrine of the church. Only the church that they say they are going to be resurrection of the just saints of God will be resurrected in the first in the at the first resurrection. We taught it and you believe it, just believe it, and certainly that you are shooting towards the Father, you'll be one of them. If you are if you are dead before Christ comes, you want them to be resurrected. That's your goal. To be resurrected for the among the saints to enter the millennia. It's a doctrine. Yes, we believe it and just walk in it. No, no doubting or questioning it anymore. Why? If you are doubting or questioning it, that you don't believe it or you are not sure about it. So he said these are fundamental doctrines that we in the Church of Christ, in believers, to know this and be settled in it. We are settled it and we are walking towards it. We are walking in it. And of eternal judgment, some people see doubt here. Is God going to judge the world? Is God going to do? Some people say, is God is so holy, it's not going to throw anybody to a lake of fire. They don't believe the word of God then, nothing. He said, these are the fundamental doctrines of the of the church. That there is coming an eternal judgment. We are there, and it's in the book of Revelation chapter 21, where it said, uh, chapter 20 said, every dead, all the dead will be resurrected and stand before God. It's eternal judgment. And those that have their names in the book of life will be saved. Anyone that have their names not in the book of life will be thrown to the lake of fire. That's eternal judgment. So people want to debate that. You don't need to debate it. It's the fundamental doctrine of the body of Christ, of the church. He said these are fundamental, you don't need to be teaching that over and over again. It is written, it is said, we believe it, and we are walking our, our life, we are living our life to please God, to be accepted before God, so that we don't have to be lost. That's really part of the job. Say that's all fundamental. Now it's going to say let's go to something better now, so that we don't need to be teaching all this over and over again. That's what this verse 1 to 3 of the book of Hebrews chapter 6 is teaching us. And say, and this we will do if you have to, if God permit. Verse 4. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Everyone that have enjoyed all these benefits of God, if they fall away, it is impossible, that's what he's saying from verse 4, he says it is impossible for this kind of people to, renew, to be renewed unto repentance. Which kind of people? People that have tasted of the heavenly gift, those who have partakers of the Holy Ghost, those who have tasted of the good word of God, those who have, the, have tasted the power of the world to come, which is more like every believer that has been filled with the Holy Spirit, that you don't fall away. Because if you fall away after you have enjoyed all these benefits of God, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, and you are you are partakers of this heavenly power that's coming. We are tasting of the power of the world to come. When you pray for the sick, it's power of the world to come. When you speak in tongues, it's power of the world to come. If you have enjoyed all of this, you better don't fall away. Why are you falling away? What do the world has that is better than this that we are hoping for? There's nothing in the world that is better than what we are hoping for. So that's why I say it is impossible for such people. If they fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So we will never crucify afresh the Son of God. We are not going to put our legs to an open shame. Verse 7. Say, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh often upon it, 
and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receive a blessing from God. That is, even the ground, when rain comes down, and the ground soak it in, and if you produce good herbs and that people need, the ground is blessed. Verse is about that which beareth tongues and prayers is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be born. That is saying, even the ground, the planet, all that we are standing upon, if he, the rain is coming down from God and the ground is using the rain and is making good crops for us, the, the place is blessed. Till this so that he can bring some more. But if he's instead of bringing good crops, he's bringing thorns and thistles and briars, what do you think we will do to the earth? They will burn the whole place up. That's what he's saying. The same thing, he's just using that as a as a as an as a analogy. See the uh, the ground that is bearing thorns and briars is rejected and is near cursing, and it's going to be burned. My pastor said, "Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Go with us, people. We are expecting better things of we believers, even though he's writing it like this. That we are going to be producing good fruit. That's what he's saying." Because we are going to believe and stand unto the end. But said, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So God will remember every good thing we have done in all the work of the righteousness that we are doing and ministering to the believers and preaching the gospel of doing the work of love for us. God is not unrighteous to forget all those things. So God will help us all the way to make sure we endure to the end. So God is the one walking in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Don't, forget, don't ever forget that. It's not our laboring, our effort that is going to keep us. God is walking with us, but we have to cooperate with him. Because it's an agreement. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's like a covenant with God. We are trying and he is helping us. We are doing this and he is helping us. We are co-laborers with our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you have to say? And Vasilev said, said, well, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. The same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So everyone should be diligently to stand firm unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he's giving this exhortation to every believer now. That don't be slothful, but follow be believer that are through faith and patience we are inheriting the promises. That's our faith. The Lord and patiently following, patiently enduring, patiently following the, the, the word of God. Say, We are going to inherit that promise. Verse 34 When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. So, everything everything God is doing that is promising us, he has already sworn that he will make it come to pass. When he was swearing to Abraham, he swear by himself that his seed will inherit the earth. And the seed is Christ, and that has been established that Christ has come and he has overcome all. And we that are the seed of Abraham that are being joined to Christ, that are being brought to become sons of God, God has promised the same, the same sword that he swore to Abraham is the same thing that will make it fulfill it in us, not just for Christ, but everyone that Christ is bringing into the son to into the sonship. God will fulfill it, and that is what he's saying here. That when he made the promise to Abraham. Because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That's Abraham enduring 
the, the childlessness and he finally obtained the promise. Verse 64, men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. That's why God also wants to swear. That's why also God swore. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability that is unchangeability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. So a woman means they swear to, 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 to confess that they will do what they promise they will do. That's what the oath is all about. When they go to court, they say, help me God. They say they swear that they are going to tell the truth. See, they are swearing by something higher power. Now God swear, he said, there's no higher power than him. So he swear by himself, by his own name. And said, you surely bless Abraham. Abraham will become the father of many nations. And through, his, through Abraham, the whole world will bless. And Abraham, we, the seed of Abraham, we shall inherit this earth. And that is the seed of Christ, is that seed of Abraham. And we that are joined to Christ, we are part of that seed of Abraham. And that is a promise God Himself made, and He will fulfill it. So that's what this chapter is talking about that He swore by Himself. But it says, by that, by two immutable things, two things. By two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to, to lie. By two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, that we might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the foreigner is for us entered. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this last few verses, he was talking about the fact that God, when he swore by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie, he swore by his name that the seed of Abraham will inherit this earth. And that's what he had, these verses were talking about, that by two immutable things, which so it, is it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge. We fled to God for refuge. We fled from the slavery of Satan for refuge. And Christ come to save us. And we are saved. We have to confess it. And it is impossible for God to lie. And God has said, yes, he has saved us by his precious blood. And Christ is the high priest of our profession. So it is impossible for God to lie. We that have come to run to and fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor. See, this hope is our anchor of our soul. The hope that we are going to be in that eternal kingdom. That is the hope that He has said before us. That is the anchor that is keeping us steadfast. Our soul is settled that yes, this thing will come to pass. Both sure and steadfast, which entered into that within the veil. Whither the foreigner is for us enter. Even Jesus made an high priest up forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it's coming back to the order of Melchizedek and describing our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to go into chapter 7 
tell you about who this Melchizedek was and the order of priesthood that was set up before Abraham, which the logical is part of this order, is the high priest of that order. And there will be many priests under Christ. We that have been made sons of God will be joined to, to that order. That have, he said he made us kings and priests. You see that in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, where, it was, where the 24 elders were praising the Lamb. And what they say about the Lamb? Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests. So priests under what order? Under the order of Melchizedek, because they are not talking about the order of Aaron at that time. And he said we shall reign upon the earth. And that is really what he was saying. That's what he was saying in the, in, the, in that book of Hebrews chapter 6. So we're going to continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.